and welcome to Mixed Feelings, a podcast about news, politics, and pop culture on the Relay FM network. I'm Quinn Rose, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Jillian Parker. Hi, Quinn. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> Can I just say that at this point, we have gotten that intro down so hard that we have exactly the same voice inflections every time? Like, I could just copy and paste those several sentences for every episode. Yeah, but then it's less genuine. I'm not sure. I think it's the same every time. <laughs> <laughs> but it feels so much better live. I'm, I'm doing all right. I had an eventful evening. However, Quinn and I went to formal last night. Yeah. Um, she was my beautiful date. So we had fun. It was fun. It was fun. It was a Tuesday, which was a little much. Club going up on a Tuesday. I should have seen that coming. <laughs> yes, you should have. No, no, but no, it was good. Do you want to tell the story of what you did in the past few days, Jillian? So I went on a mass date with this guy who's a Trump supporter. Okay, context. So we're both Catholic, um, and somehow... So in high school, mass dates were a thing. Like, you would ask the person that you like to go to church with you on a weekday. And so I was, like, stressing out a little bit because I thought he was cute. Like, he he's a senior or whatever. And... Um, I like didn't. I was stressing out about what to wear because when I went on mass dates in high school, I had a Catholic school uniform, so I just wore. The, so I just wore that. Um, Quinn said I should bring it back, but for <laughs> for my mass date, but I ended up not doing that. Um, but yeah, so we went to mass. It was fine, and then we got breakfast after. And basically, like five minutes into the co- into the conversation, he was like, "Trump is the best president we've ever had," and I was just like, "Okay, this is a lot. <laughs> I need to breathe." <laughs> I see. I would have just gotten up and left. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, but he was very, very certain, very fixed in his emotions about this, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, and I was just like, oh my god, get me out of this. But other than that, it went well. I'm never seeing him again, but other than that, it went well. <laughs> you got some, got some good mass out of it. I got some good mass, yes. So that brings us to our first topic of the day. So Trump gave his uh, speech to Congress, and it's funny because a lot of the headlines were Trump takes conciliatory tone, and it's just like breaking news that in this one speech he was using mild language and wasn't acting like the normal crazy person that he is. Yeah, I was like, oh, Trump has composure, and so that it is the headline that um, he can actually put three sentences together without dissolving into anger. Yeah, it was funny. I think one article described it as him emerging into maturity, and Quinn was like, it's called puberty, and it happens when you're usually 12. <laughs> Literally, when I see that phrase, I'm just like, yeah, that happened to me a long time ago. <laughs> it's called being a decent human, but hey, whatever, it's fine. I think my favorite line from any of the coverage of this speech was from the Washington Post, where... It says that several of Trump's claims about the rising violence in America, for example, missed the factual mark by a wide margin. And all I can say is, that's called a lie. That's what a lie is. It's a thing that's not true. (laughs) A wide factual margin. Missed the factual mark by a wide margin. Man, the people who are putting together, like, the thesaurus words and phrases for lie in order to cover Trump are really working overtime coming up with different ways to say these kinds of ridiculous things this is oh my god that's unbelievable there's also an article called president trump's surprisingly presidential speech why 
He doesn't get credit for this. He should not get credit for being vaguely presidential when he is the president. <laughs> he should just not get credit, period. I... <laughs> oh my goodness. I, it's like, it's breaking news, person does his job. It's like, okay, well... <laughs> Plot twist, college student studies for exam. <laughs> I mean, that is a plot twist, to be honest. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Isn't there, there's a John Mulaney routine where he's talking about, um... Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, when he says, a hero is any man who does his job. <laughs> <laughs> hero tutor uh, teaches kids after school. Yeah, well, what else would they be doing? <laughs> so or so he goes on in the skit. Oh. Yeah, that's his job. Um, but yeah, sorry, that was a digression. But but truly, that is, is like I would give Trump credit if he made substantive policy gains that I thought were beneficial to the nation, but he he didn't and has not done those things. So yeah, his speech was good when it comes to um, when it comes to you know being a speech, as in it was polite and it was not rife with fits of rage. But he did not really touch upon a lot of policies and everything as you said everything was pretty vague um and there was a lot of criticism that he didn't really address the things that everybody's concerned about yeah so some of the main highlights in his speech um is, is a lot of the stuff he's been talking about this whole time he went into immigration and healthcare um and economics but he didn't really present any new ideas and even though what he was saying was um calmer than he usually says it like it really was not any kind of a change from the stuff that he has been saying this whole time. Um, like, talking about immigration, he, again, invoked this image of a beautiful wall on our southern border. And again, I said, why? Why does anyone think that's a good idea? It's it's the worst idea ever. Yeah. Um, he also went into healthcare, he sa- and he said that with the... <laughs> theoretical Obamacare replacement that totally exists, they will be keeping the pre-existing condition clause um, that Mm -hmm. says that even if you have a pre-existing condition, like, they're not that insurers aren't allowed to deny you healthcare based on pre-existing conditions which is one of the most popular parts of the Affordable Care Act, but they don't really get into how they're going to pay for that kind of, because what's currently basically paying for that, again like, way oversimplification, I'm sure, but there's currently an individual mandate, which means you have to have health insurance or you get fined for it, um, which is really unfortunate and it's causing some people problems, um, but it's also what's lowering healthcare costs enough to have this pre-existing condition clause. So even people who have really high needs for healthcare, um, can, it, they can still afford to be provided for it because people who don't really need healthcare and are healthy are also getting healthcare. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense or did I just completely confuse everyone? <laughs> Well, I think it's just like Trump is promising to expand choice, increase access, lower costs, and at the same time, provide better health care. And all the Republicans are like, how? Like, how are you going to do this? Uh, to be fair, all the Republicans are clapping and all of the Democrats are staring at him. You can actually watch the videos. All the Republicans clap so much and all the Democrats are like, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's always like that, no matter what. Oh, yeah, yeah, for but sure. But it's still it's still amusing to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Another thing that he did that he was getting praised for was he did condemn um, the hate crimes that have been happening, um, especially anti-Semitic threats and um, attacks on cemeteries. He even mentioned the Kansas shooting, which was um, two Indian immigrants were murdered by a white man who was um, 
throwing ethnic slurs at them. Um, he questioned their nationality and their immigration status and then killed them. So clearly an anti-immigrant hate crime going on here. However, while Trump did mention this shooting as an example um, of violence that needs to stop, he did not express um, anything about who the victims of this were and did not say that like these were Indian immigrants who um, were killed in a hate crime. He just said Kansas shooting. So I think you can read between the lines there of what kind of rhetoric he's trying to portray. He's not in the market for looking to engender any sympathy towards immigrants. The FBI said that it was investigating the shooting of the two Indian immigrants, um, and the suspect was thrown out of the bar where this happened, where he was verbally abusing them. Um, and there was a guy in the bar who was also shot and injured as he tried to stop um, the shooter from fleeing the scene. So, yes, there is racism, and we need to do something about that, but it's also nice that there's some... I mean, obviously, this whole situation is awful. If there was no act of this to begin with, he wouldn't have had to, you know, uh, risk his life. But obviously, these these are awful circumstances, no matter what. But it does, it does show that there is a bit of humanity left when you read stories like this or parts of awful things that happen. Yeah, every time something horrible happens, there are always the people that are trying to help and that are saving people, which is really incredible, um, even at personal expense to themselves. On the other hand, this is just horrific in the first place. Yeah, this is awful. Yeah. So, breaking news alert, uh, racism still exists. We have our daily racism check. As if we needed any more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if... If Trump really wanted to help to prevent this kind of violence from happening, he would openly condemn it and openly talk about how the shooter was using ethnic slurs and was clearly targeting these men because they were Indian. And both condemn that and speak openly about how there is violence that is leveled against immigrants and people of color and how we need to be united against that instead of consistently... um, implicitly encouraging it from policies and the way that he speaks about immigrants and talking about how um, immigrants are violent and dangerous and all these things that are not statistically true. Mm -hmm. I think it's all about that, oh my god, what's the expression? Where um, you, what is it, you hate the collective but you love the individual or vice versa when it comes to you know racism and and this is definitely that okay so basically the rhetoric that or the expression that is used is what people do in the media when they see something um so say something happens with like a white guy and a white guy commits a crime it's like oh well he's the exception to the rule like all white guys are like pretty decent people um but then like if like, a black guy does something, like, really, really incredible, it's like, he's the exception to the rule because everybody else is, everybody else, in air quotes, um, does not have that high standard or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think, I think Trump, by not addressing this, or at least more explicitly when he's talking about, you know, immigration and uh, just the racism that does exist, he's sort of 
perpetuating this even further. Yeah. He also, um, not directly in this speech, but um, also this week, suggested that all the threats against Jewish daycares and community centers might be false flags and might be um, basically Jewish people looking to engender support and sympathy as opposed to real threats, which is just absolutely terrifying thing to suggest because that's going to do nothing but encourage these threats and the probable violence that will emerge from them when someone decides to carry through on this. I think no matter what, there's always going to be conspiracy theories, but the problem, (laughs) conspiracy theories in air quotes, but the problem is when, you know, the commander in chief is suggesting this, that's not very comforting at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, I feel like that just gives so much legitimacy to the people who are probably already saying like, oh, those aren't real threats, like they're probably fake, and then the president says it, and then it just completely validates that it's idea. It's giving them permission to believe it, yeah. Yeah. So a couple more things to touch on um, in the speech that he gave. He did have one moment that was pretty universally praised as an incredible, powerful moment, is when he honored the widow of Ryan Owens, who was a Navy SEAL who was killed in the recent strike in Yemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Owens was actually the first, um, first American killed in combat under the new presidency, so his wife got a standing ovation. They, it, it's absolutely heartbreaking if you watch the video. Um, yeah, he was very young. He was in his thirties. Um, him and his him and his wife had three kids. So it's, it's it's just awful. Yeah, and on one hand, it was a very powerful moment, and of course, it's a horrible thing to happen to him and to his family. Um, and I'm glad that she got that honor um, and is hopefully getting the support that she needs from, you know, government help and her community in this Mm -hmm. hard time. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, unfortunately, there are a lot of questions about this raid that happened in Yemen, um, whether it was handled correctly, whether they should have even been there, whether they even completed a successful mission, because details on what happened are very sketchy. Um, And Trump claims that it of course, Trump claims that um, it was all done right and that they gathered very important intel, um, but we're really not sure what happened and there are a lot of questions there that I think that because of this moment and that I think uh, people have been investigating and perhaps even because of this um, direct attention that he put on this will increase their investigation of what actually happened there. So we might be looking for reports on that soon. Mm-hmm. But I... St- but still, like, I think this doesn't necessarily decrease the legitimacy of, you know, Ryan Owens, of course, as oh, a soldier. Oh, absolutely. This is, this, is, this is nothing to do with his family. This is Trump's, yeah, no. Oh, but yeah. I just like, wanted to, like, clarify. I just wanted to clarify, yeah. Like, just to clarify, like, him being in the military and his sacrifice is, like, an incredible sacrifice mm-hmm. regardless of anything else. Yeah. I'm just talking about um, questions of national security beyond that. Oh, you know, just some light issues that we've been... <laughs> having to deal with recently yeah it's fine and just because i can't let this go trump also blatantly lied they people made a note of saying that the speech was actually mostly factually correct for once um but he also lied a lot about the economic situation that he so and so inherited um because he said that 94 million americans are out of the, the labor force but that actually counts retirees and teenagers who are still in high school so that's okay, not really a good people, picture. This is economics 101. Like, this is the first thing they teach you. It's like, who counts as a person in the labor force? 
Ugh. Yeah, and and he is correct in saying that 43 million people are living in poverty, which of course is horrible. But on the other hand, he was, in, in this whole section, he was implying that he inherited this horrific economic situation um, that, like, allegedly Obama had ruined this country. But 43 million people was actually down from 44 when Obama took office. So there's that. Our economy is actually doing relatively well right now. Like, it was, it is much better than mm-hmm. it was when Obama took office, which was kind of in the middle of the Great Recession that happened. So that was mm-hmm. it was really bad when back then. Yeah, but it is... I mean, I'm all about like being pro-market, but it's just that the fact that the economy is doing so well right now is because, you know, people have faith in Trump's promise to cut back um, business regulations and also, you know, um, cut back taxes. But still, a lot of this is just based on expectations. Nothing has actually happened yet. So I- I'm just nervous how-, how long this can keep going without anything actually being done, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 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 we're doing, the economy's doing pretty good right now, but there are, again, and I'm not an economist, I, I will defer to your uh, oh student expertise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it, it seems like there are starting to be some kind of wavering, mm-hmm. um, and depending on what economic policies are implemented in the next few months could have some huge effects. Oh, definitely, definitely. So stay tuned for that. Oh, that'll be a joy and a half. Wow, the economy is going to crash just in time for us to graduate. Isn't that great? Yes, I I don't need financial security. I don't need a job after graduation. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be fine. I'm going to have a sociology degree. What am I going to do? Oh, stop. (laughs) Another big debate that's in the news right now is on the issue of transgender bathrooms. Uh, which are just like normal bathrooms, but more controversial. Ugh, yikes. So the basic situation is, um, and then the in recent years there have been debates and legislation about what bathroom transgender people should use in public. So famously in North Carolina, there's a, the HB2 law implemented last year that says that all people have to use the bathroom that matches their sex identity that was assigned to them at birth. So even, for example, if you are a fully transitioned transgender woman, you still have to use the male restroom um, if you are assigned male birth. This has been the news this week because President Obama, um, when he was still president, um, had a federal order that said that in schools, all students had to be allowed to use the bathroom that matches their gender identity. Um, And he uh, implemented this under Title IX. He claimed that um, Title IX, which requires everyone to have equal access to education, um, also applies to gender identity. Now, this law was actually stalled, um, and so it hasn't been federally implemented yet. So, so currently, states have different rules about this, and a lot of schools and states don't even have rules about this yet. This is very new, um, and a lot of schools and school districts haven't even started to confront the issue. But basically, Trump um, just blocked this completely, and so has taken all these protections away. So now there is no kind of um, even potential federal protection happening right now. And also it should be noted that during his campaign, uh, Trump said transgender students should be allowed to use whichever bathroom they feel is appropriate. But then uh, he reversed his view on this um, after he got a lot of, a lot of um, backlash from the Republicans. See, that's what makes me so mad. Okay, a lot of things make me mad. But that makes me mad because... He has no principles and, and, sorry, I just got reminded by that line from Hamilton where it was like, 
um, um, Jefferson I, has views, Burr has, has none, none, or something like that. It's like, yeah, he doesn't have any views that he's willing to stick to because he's just going to go along with what is popular with his voters and or the Republican establishment. Anyway, so this is a huge issue right here. Um, and it's also, before we get into the conversation, um, it's also something that's going to be going to the Supreme Court very soon um, because mm-hmm. there is there is a case on behalf of Gavin Grimm, um, who's a transgender male student, I think he's 17 years old, mm-hmm. um, who which is going to the Supreme Court very soon. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, and so he was originally... Um, allowed to use the male bathroom when he came out as transgender, things were fine, and then there was a huge uproar, and then he had to use uh, these single-stall unisex bathrooms instead, some of which they said are just refurbished utility closets. And so he's talking about how, like, basically there's a neon sign that over his head that says he's different every time he has to go to the bathroom. And so they decided to take this case to court, and if if you see him talk about this, like, he never had any intention of being the face of a Supreme Court case, especially one that could be as groundbreaking as this case. Because, I mean, but now it's happening. And now he's kind of the face of this, like, transgender student bathroom debate. Yeah, I feel like that's just such... I don't want to say burden, but it's still such, like, a weight, you know? Especially, what, you said he's 17? Mm-hmm. So young, I yeah. think. I mean, he's, do- he's doing it with his mom because he is uh, still a minor. I think her name is on the case and his initials are, because that's how um, Supreme Court cases go when one of the when the person in question is underage. So he definitely has people by his side. But yeah, that's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you think about all this, Quinn? Like personally, like ideally in your world, what would happen? I really agree with something that Laverne Cox said recently. Um, who, oh, I love her so I know, she's much. the best. She's great. <laughs> um, so, uh, for those of you who don't know, Laverne Cox is a transgender actress and activist. Um, and she was speaking about this recently, and she was talking about how it's not about bathrooms. It's about the right to exist in public. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, just being able to use the bathroom is something that most people never even think about. Um and is just, like, a natural part of existing in the public space. And if you take that away from people, that erases their right to be in public space. Mm-hmm. Because this isn't, like, this isn't some kind of... Like, the basic argument um, against transgender people being able to use uh, the bathrooms that match their gender identity is that they are actually going to um, assault or sexually assault people, especially the idea of, like, men in women's restrooms... And or that there are uh, cisgender people, especially like the idea of cisgender men who will claim that they are transgender in order to go into the women's restroom um, and assault women. Now, this is a concern that's like, it's a very emotionally resonant concern, but there's no statistical data to back this up. No transgender person has ever attacked someone in a bathroom. Like, this has just never happened. But I don't think it's the transgender thing that's mostly a concern, at least... Um, my family is, like, very conservative, and, like, I have some family members who, their problem isn't the whole, oh, like, like, they don't have an issue with this, they have an issue with bad people in the world who will use this to their advantage, so it's not necessarily, um, saying that, like you said, like, there has never been a, a case of a transgender, someone, you know, attacking someone in the bathroom or whatever, um, under these circumstances, but... It's just that um, if this becomes more widespread, it might increase the probability of something 
of some of as you said a cisgender male taking advantage of this and then possibly assaulting someone and i think that's the issue that people are mostly concerned with like you mentioned well that's my so this is my question then if a, a cisgender man wanted to walk into a woman's restroom right now he could and the laws about this don't change that at all um and that mostly doesn't happen because regardless of anything else it is illegal to assault someone and it's still illegal to assault someone um no matter what your gender identity is and no matter what bathroom you're in first of all i have strong doubts that this would increase assault or assault attempts because like these are things that are possible to do now um women get assaulted in women's bathrooms men get assaulted in men's bathrooms and that's horrible and that's like another issue to deal with and thinking about ways to tackle that but i just don't think that there people are just going to use this as an excuse to to enter bathrooms and somehow get away with assaulting people you know like it still is illegal and like still people will still know it's happening and so how how is that the issue i i don't necessarily know if it's just like actual assault but also just like maybe like being uncomfortable so like you know what i mean so say like a cisgender male like who claims he's transgender uses a woman's bathroom but like he just because he is in the bathroom but if he's just you know what i mean like he doesn't necessarily have to physically touch anyone to have other people to have someone like feel like encroached on their space which is you know like maybe that could be considered pushing in some cases but like i think it's i think it's a fair argument i think it's a valid concern of people trying to exploit the law in this way and that's a hard question to answer. I just have strong doubts of like how often that is going to happen versus how often transgender people are confronted with violence and erasure in everyday life in a way that would be significantly helped by able to go to their correct bathroom. Mm-hmm. I just, I feel so conflicted with this because like to me, it just like makes sense. Like, oh, like just use whatever bathroom like you're comfortable with, like whatever. But then you think about all of the different ramifications and you think about how there are some messed up people in this world that would take advantage of that. And I think not necessarily it's about, I mean, at least when my mom was explaining this to me, she was like, she was like, oh, I could care less about like, if I feel uncomfortable, like whatever, that's like my problem. But my concern is like, you know, like, like, sending you to the bathroom, like, as a kid, like, by yourself, and I think it was just more of looking at it from that lens, from just, like, being creeped out, and, like, that feeling is just so powerful, I guess, when you're a parent of, like, sending your, you know, eight-year-old daughter to the restroom where there could possibly be, like, a cisgender male pretending to be transgender just so he could, you know, I I don't know. Yeah, and again, like, that's a very scary, very emotionally resonant idea, like, the, especially the idea of children in danger. But, like, you can also flip that around and look at the other side. Like, there are transgender kids who are very much in danger. Um, and they are in danger because they're using bathrooms that don't match their gender identity. Uh, transgender women, in particular, are very much subject to violence. Um, and there's a quote that's, like, we go to the women's bathroom when we get arrested we go to the men's bathroom we get killed so how are you even supposed to go anywhere i think that the supreme court case that is coming up is going to be granted if they end up um deciding anything because of course we still only have eight people on the bench um and so they may come to a draw is that the right word for in the supreme court case (laughs) a draw a tie a tie digression um but yeah, they may not come to a definitive decision. They may send it back down to lower courts 
but if they do end up with coming up with some kind of decision, it's going to have huge ramifications on the civil rights movement of transgender people because if they decide that, yes, um, transgender students have the legal right under Title IX um, to use the bathroom that matches their gender identity, that has huge ramifications um, for civil rights legislation going forward, um, and especially with students if they decide that, if they do decide that under Title IX. Um, and if they say, no, they don't have that federally mandated right, that's a big setback to the movement. Mm-hmm. So that's something that a lot of people are going to be watching very carefully um, as it goes through the courts. Guess what happened this week? What happened this week, Quinn? The Oscars happened this week. I didn't even watch, but I'm so excited about them. <laughs> TV teacher when I thought that the Oscars and the Academy Awards were two separate things. <laughs> Uh, good times good times classic jillian move but no okay so (laughs) y'all i did not watch the oscars um but i did watch twitter which is what i usually do for award shows and it was wild um so we're gonna go over a couple of highlights and then we'll get to the big thing that most people probably know about the elephant in the room (laughs) (laughs) but a couple things first um one then Manuel Miranda did not get his EGOT, and I'm very upset about it. Oh, Lynn Favreau. I came out early in this podcast um, as a strong supporter of Lynn winning an Oscar for his work on Moana, and unfortunately he did not. La La Land won all of the awards that he should have won. And you saw La La Land. So this is the issue I was talking about. It was originally, I was like, oh, it looks like La La Land's probably going to win, but it's supposed to be amazing. Like, that's okay. And then I went and saw it, and I didn't really like it that much. And I was like, okay, how dare all of you? <laughs> and here's the thing. Lin-Manuel Miranda is totally going to win an Oscar. The man is a genius. He really is. But since he didn't win this year, he's not going to be the youngest ever EGOT winner, which is disappointing for me. <laughs> But he's still going to be the best EGOT winner, so it doesn't matter. I don't know. There's some pretty cool EGOT winners out there, but Lynn would probably be my favorite. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, he's great. And to quickly touch upon the um, best acting winners, so Mahershala Lee for Moonlight won Best Supporting Actor. Mm -hmm. Viola Davis won Best Supporting Actress. Queen. Um, Emma Stone won uh, Best Lead Actress for La La Land. And then Casey Affleck won Best Actor. We don't like Casey Affleck. Um, He had several sexual harassment suites brought to him against co-workers from, I think it was a 2010 movie called I'm Still Here. Uh, Two two women described many incidences of sexual harassment um, on set, and he ended up settling them out of court. So there was no official ruling on whether he was guilty or not, but... Basically, the media and, you know, awards academies have completely ignored the fact that these lawsuits even existed um, and just gave him total credit as if um, there's not evidence that he sexually harassed anyone, which is just displeasing to me. Wouldn't the world be so different if people face consequences for their actions? Hey, remember when um, a man admitted to loving to grope women and then we elected him the president of the united states because i do Mm, too soon too soon Ugh. yeah anyway and again technically can't 
sit here and say like, oh, he definitely sexually harassed people because I wasn't there and it was handled out of court. But based on the evidence presented to me by the world and the way that white men, especially famous white men, are generally allowed to get away with anything, especially mistreatment of women um, and continue having successful acting careers and political careers, I'm just displeased in general. Yeah. But anyway, to get to the big thing of the night... So can I can I describe my experience? Because you, yes. were you awake when this happened? No. Were you paying attention to this? Okay. I want to just describe what happened to me real quick with this. So I was actually about to go to sleep, but then I decided um, to stay up and see who won Best Picture. And it was basically going to come down between La La Land and Moonlight. They were the front runners for this. And I, as well as a lot of people that I know were really rooting for Moonlight, but also were kind of expecting La La Land to win. La La Land swept at the Golden Globes and has been very universally acclaimed. So has Moonlight, but it hasn't been given quite the same number of, um, like, award show accolades. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, 12.15 in the morning. um, I'm Eastern time. And they announce La La Land is the Best Picture winner. Everybody gives up and starts giving their speeches. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm just... That's disappointing, but it happens. So I'm on Twitter Um, And then all of a sudden, my Twitter feed is just everyone freaking out. Everyone's just in all caps like, wait, what? What's happening? And what happened is they announced the wrong winner. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Slightly problematic. Yeah. So Justin Horowitz, um, who's one of the producers of La La Land, is like, La La Land didn't win. Moonlight won. (laughs) And, like, Jimmy Kimmel, who was hosting, and the producers get up there, and they're like, this is not a joke, Moonlight won. And they held up the thing that says, best picture, Moonlight. And what happened is the announcer was given the wrong envelope. They were given Emma Stone's best actress envelope, which confuses me, because they, did they not see Emma Stone's name on it as well and still announce La La Land? Unclear. But they announced La La Land, and then absolutely not. Moonlight was the one that won. And so yeah. all of those guys are up there giving their speeches and they have to clear out and let Moonlight on to give their acceptance speech. Yeah. First of all, number one, that's so awkward. I thought what Kimmel did was really funny when he like blamed it on Steve Harvey. Oh my God. Um, which, for those who don't know, Steve Harvey was uh, the guy who hosted the Miss... Was it Miss World? Miss or? Universe, I Miss think. Universe. Miss Universe. And he announced the wrong winner. Um, so, yeah. It, yeah. Um... I, I don't really care about Jimmy Kimmel, to be honest. But anyway, it was wild. Everyone was losing their minds. And there also there's so many people who turned off their TVs when La La Land was announced as the winner. They're like, ugh, whatever. And then all of a sudden, Moonlight is happening. Um, and I was really excited to see it win. Um, again, I didn't really like La La Land that much. <laughs> just my own personal preference. And I also just know that Moonlight is an incredibly important movie because... First of all, it's an independent film produced yeah. with a budget of $1.5 which is ridiculously low for a best picture film. Yeah. Um, and it also is centered around the story of telling... Wait, $1.5 Yeah. Oh my god. Anything below $10 million is like... <laughs> I love how you agreed and then like the words I actually said caught up to you. <laughs> yeah, that... I feel like I do that a lot, actually. Anyway, and then this was also a story that was centered around um, a black queer man growing up mm-hmm. um, and... Like, and that's a story that is almost never told in mainstream media. And so it was so beautiful to see that honored um, and pushed into the spotlight in such an incredible way. That's, that's just so awkward. 
like being up there and just like giving your speech and then all of a sudden oh jk never mind you actually didn't win (laughs) yeah it just sucks for everyone it sucks for la la land having to get up there and then finding out you didn't win having to get back down and it sucks for moonlight because it kind of took away their big moment and like i would i want to say right now congratulations to moonlight and i hope that their legacy is cemented without this shadowing over them Mm -hmm. um yeah, that just is unfortunate for everybody involved. Yep. Especially whoever gave them the wrong envelope. Thank you, PricewaterhouseCoopers. People are getting fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably the biggest slope-up that's ever happened at the Oscars. Yeah, yeah. So 2017 is off to a great start, so that's good. I mean, Moonlight ended up winning, so I'm happy. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. but you know whatever your personal favorite movie was um i hope that you were quite happy with the oscars Mm -hmm. yeah i don't watch movies as you know so but i do like what people wear to the oscars that's relevant i didn't hear a lot about um any outfits at the oscars there were nothing there was nothing like fantastic it was mostly just like what was dakota johnson wearing why was she wearing something that looked like was made in the 1840s um right because I remember the Grammys were a few weeks ago, and I definitely heard about Rihanna's outfit because it was amazing. Ugh, Rihanna is amazing. She is everything. Oh my god. Wait, so my dad is obsessed with the one song. Ugh, he thinks Rihanna's great because... Okay, my dad <laughs> likes two songs in pop culture, or modern pop culture, or whatever, top 40 stuff. It's Pocketful of Sunshine by Natasha Benningfield. Oh my god. And he loves the song, um, We Found Love in a Hopeless Place. Which is arguably, like, not one of Rihanna's best, because it's, you know, it's kind of just, like, a, with Calvin Harris, right? I think so. Um, but he's just, he just loves that song. He's just like, it's so beautiful. I was like, okay, Dad. Okay. But yes, we love Rihanna, and so does my dad. <laughs> so on that note, yeah, anything else you want to say about the Oscars? Congratulations to all the winners of all the Academy Awards. Yay! It's gonna be good. Do we have anything? Are the Emmys coming up? Do we just have the Emmys? When are the Emmys? The Emmys are later. Because we just I'm did the Grammys. Sure. We did the Grammys. I'm pretty sure the Emmys are after. The Tonys are on June 12th. I like how you know that. Yep. I'm going to be in San Francisco for the Tonys this year, by the way. I'm really excited for that. I feel like there's going to be some fun parties. Yeah, I'm going to be working, so... <laughs> I will enjoy your snap stories. Thanks. Okay, thank you all for listening today. You can find us on Twitter at MixedFeelingsFM, where you can tweet at us or send us a DM. You can also find us in the iTunes store. It'd be great if you left us a review there. Or at relay.fm slash mixedfeelings, where there's also a contact form. You can send us an email. You can find me on Twitter at aspiringrobot.fm. And you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jillian Parker. I'm Quinn Rose. I'm Jillian Parker. And these were our mixed feelings. <laughs>